Today's message is entitled, The Divided Self. The Divided Self. Are you possessed? That is the question this morning. The Divided Self, are you possessed? And we'll be looking at Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 30. Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 30. I want to start talking about the divided self. Now, question is, the divided self, uh, you know, people often preach and talk about how to add to your life and how to subtract from your life, but few talk about the division in your life. And so division can be a problem. Here's the thing. If you're broken up into many different people, you will become self-destructive. If you, single person, are broken up into or divided into too many different people, you are self-destructive. Now, you can serve many different causes But if you do that, you must do that as the same person. Ah, I told you it's going to be twisty. So there's a difference in being who you are, the same person you are in every situation. You are who you are as a parent. You are who you are as a pastor. You are who you are at work. You are who you are around your friends. You cannot be one person at work another person with your friends, another person with church folk, you cannot be all of these different people. That means you're divided and you are destructive to yourself. Now, here's what's important to remember. If we are to be like God, God is not divided. He divides but he himself is not divided. That's an important distinction to make. I myself am not divided, but the things I do, the impact I have in the world divides. What does that mean? Divides, God divides into right and wrong. God divides between saved and unsaved. He divides between good and evil. He divides between light and darkness. He himself is not both light and darkness. He himself is not both good and evil. He himself is not both right and wrong. He is one, but he divides things to become one. Ah, Things that are together that are incongruent or in conflict, he divides so that they can be autonomous or they can be unified and have impact because the person of division is destructive. Uh, Let's go a little further. Now, check your areas where division has occurred. What you want to do is check the areas of your life where division has occurred and see if there are any implications of what I'm teaching you right now. Ask yourselves, are you divided or 
What are you doing to divide the opposition? All right, so when you ask yourself this question this morning, talking about the divide itself, and talking about are you possessed, we'll explain that in a moment, you have to ask yourself, are you divided or are you dividing something? Are you doing something in your life? Are the acts that you perform, the actions of your life, are they beneficial in dividing conflicts? Ah, watch this. Oh, this is good teaching. I'm, I'm, I'm already going well. Division, listen, can be a tool that we use to win. Ah, watch this now. As we have heard the phrase in warfare, divide and what? Conquer. Ah, yeah. So what we can do is use division as a tool to win and conquer. We want to be dividers, but we don't want to use the tool on ourselves. Ah, Watch this now. So you don't want to be in a position where you exact the tool of division on yourself. You want to be able to use the tool to divide upon others. Now, let's look at this uh, definition of division. The definition of uh, division is separating something into parts. It is distributing to others. It's it's breaking it down. It's distributing to others. It's it's um, when you distribute something among a number, which could in turn create sides. In other words, you divide it up, and now they could take sides. They could hold their own position. It's the breaking up of a whole. It's the taking of a whole pie and dividing it into thirds, or into half, or into quarters. It is. Also, disagreement or disunity. Division can be that where there's disagreement and disunity, it breaks it. Ah. So where there is a lack of cohesiveness and congruence, it breaks something apart. It really means to separate. And I like the last one. To divide means to break something off to become independent. It is to break something off to become independent, to make something capable of its own action. So the divide itself can sometimes be seen, watch this now, pay attention a little bit, the divide itself can sometimes be seen as a state of madness in the mind. Why? Because you're not all together. Oh, come on. Watch this now. I'll develop this later. But the state of madness where you have um, divided minds, even the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So the divided person, let's say the schizophrenic, the multiple personalities, you know, the old movie Sybil. uh, We talk about the person that is divided. We say, what do we say? They don't have it all together, or we say, pull yourself together. So we'll talk about that in a second. Um, So let's look at a passage that will help us with this. 
And first, I want to look at the setting of the text. The first part of the text is going to identify the setting in which this text sits. So to give you the backdrop, the idea of where Jesus is coming from when he makes his argument later on as we further develop this. So let's look at Mark 3, verses 13 through 15. The text says, And he goeth up into a mountain, that's Jesus, and calls unto him whom he would, and they come unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, that he might send them forth to preach. And then 15 says, and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. So I want you to look at verse 15 and see the highlighted section that says he gave them, talked about the disciples that he brought with him. He went up to the mountain. He brought the disciples with him power to heal sickness and to cast out devils. devils. Now let's skip to verses 19 through 21. And I want to look at verse 19 says, or verse 20, sorry, verse 20 and 21. Then Jesus entered a house. Okay, so after he gone to the mountain, did all that, entered a house and a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. People came to benefit from his miracles and healings and the power and all of that kind of stuff. Verse 21 says, when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said, he is out of his mind. <laughs> come on, come on. Please, please. So look at the text. It says his family was wondering, is he out of his mind? Now look at the context of how I set this up. Jesus goes up to the mountain, calls his disciples, says, come here, let's talk. Let's, let's, let me teach you. Let me train you. The text says that he was training the disciples on the mountain how to go forth and preach and how to cast out devils. The text then said, after they were done training, he went home. They went back to the house and the crowds, wherever they found out where Jesus was, you know, the crowds were hanging around because they heard Jesus could heal. They heard Jesus could could feed you. They heard Jesus was a miracle worker. So the crowds came and Jesus didn't ignore the crowds. He went out there to try and help them. Well, they were ministering so long, they didn't even have time to eat, the text says. When his family and friends heard about him staying outside trying to help the people without eating, they said he must be out of his mind. Now, remember I said that the divided person can be considered being out of their mind. They're not together. They are divided. So in this context, watch who's talking. In this context, his own family, watch this now, his own family and his disciples who were his friends were saying, Jesus isn't wrapped too tight. I'm going to let you soak on that for a second. So they were saying Jesus is divided. Oh, is Jesus divided? But 
not only would his family accuse him, we'll develop this, not only would his family accuse him of being out of his mind, then the religious leaders would say he was out of his mind as well. It's funny how the people closest to you, the people most interested in what you're doing, eh, don't understand the power with which you are doing it. Uh, Let's look at the accusations. Let's look at these accusations. The accusation is that Jesus is divided, that he some way is out of his mind. Let's look at verse 22. Let's bump down to verse 22. Verse 22 says, but the teachers of religious law who had arrived from Jerusalem said, he's possessed by Satan. Whoa. So the family, the disciples, the friends said he's out of his mind. The rulers said he's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he gets the power to cast out demons. So here now we have the accusations. Let's build this now. We have Jesus going up to the mountain, took his disciples, trained them, gave them power, taught them that they would be able to cast out demons. Hmm. The religious leaders said, well, you know, people were coming around. And so it's assumed that Jesus, when he was at home, was casting out demons. He was healing people. Well, the religious leaders said, well, the only way he's casting out demons is by the power of the devil. He must be possessed. So the accusation, number one, was that Jesus was possessed by the devil. That's accusation number one. Jesus was possessed with the devil. Ah, So this concept of division is somehow connected to possession. So the title of the sermon is the divided self. Are you possessed? Because if you're divided, you could be possessed. If you're possessed, you're definitely divided. Uh, Accusation number two is, watch this. Accusation number one is that Jesus was possessed by the devil. Accusation number two, they said that Jesus was able to cast out devils around town because he did it by the power of the devil. What they're trying to say, now now notice, notice, the religious leaders were saying he was casting out devils by the power of the devil, but he had just finished in verse 15, training his disciples how to cast out demons. So do you think Jesus was up there training his disciples saying, I'm going to give you the power of the devil to cast out the devil? (laughs) Watch this, this gets juicy, stick with me. Don't fall asleep yet. Wait, Lisa, don't fall asleep. Stay with me. His disciples were going to have the ability to cast out demons, meaning they were going to have the ability to divide or they were going to have the ability to uh, be opposite the kingdom of darkness. And he would essentially fill them with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus responds to these religious leaders with the parable to help them, to help demonstrate to the disciples the previous truth he was trying to train them in while he was also refuting the religious leader's accusations. So he wanted to show both the disciples, 
look, this is what casting out demons is all about and this is how you do it. At the same time, he was going to refute the accusations of the religious leaders and his family members. So the assumption of the text is that they were trying to show Jesus was a divided person. Let's just mull on that for a second, Lou. That they were trying to say Jesus was divided. And so what we learned today is that he's about to correct that. He's about to correct that because we already said God is not divided. Now, what's interesting to know, uh, I'm going to share with you another aspect about division that we didn't know, but I'm going to reveal it to you in a second. He refuted this argument in a parable form, but he responds first. Now, watch this. He doesn't take the accusations in order. He responds first to accusation number two, which is he does the casting out by the power of the devil. Now he answers number two first because number two will help answer number one. So instead of going in order, he says, you might not understand one on its own. Let me do number two first. And by understanding number two, it's going to help you understand number one. So let's look further then at this text. Let's look at the response in verse 23. This is Jesus' response to the second accusation that he's doing this casting out by the power of Beelzebub, Satan, the devil. Verse 23 says, and we read through 23 to 26, so Jesus called them and spoke to them in parables. He said, how can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But look at the last part. His end has come. The inference of the text is that the person that divides themselves brings themselves to an end. That the division of self is self-destructive. Ah, oh, God, help me. So the question of today's sermon is, are you divided? And if you're divided, are you possessed? Satan, listen, so Jesus is answering the question. He's answering the accusation that he's doing what he's doing by the power of the devil. So Jesus, with his acuteness, says, Satan acting against himself would be division. In other words, you would be taking Satan and dividing him and pitting Satan against Satan. And so what division ends is the strength of unified power. So if you divide Satan, Satan loses his power. Watch this now. And we know that the more you divide something, the less 
power it retains. The more you break down something, let's say you take an audio file that sounds really good, but if you compress it or you break it apart, it continues to lose its potency. If you cut a peel in half, you lose the potency of the whole. It's no longer 600 grams, it's only 300 grams. So if Satan is, so if Jesus is doing this by the power of Satan, going around dividing Satan from Satan, then Satan, every time Jesus casts out a demon, is losing power everywhere all over the world. Well, we know that that ain't true (laughs) because Satan still has power. He is still working havoc in the world, so he must not be divided against himself. Ah, God, watch this now. Therefore, allow me for a moment to be a little lawyer, lawyerish in my articulation today. Therefore, listen, Jesus, would, it, based on this argument, Jesus would not be casting out demons by the power of Satan. So the accusation, therefore, is what? False. The accusation is false. And they were saying, they were saying he was given power by the devil to cast out devils. What sense would that make? I keep wanting to preach and I got to develop it further. I keep wanting to tell you. Here, here, listen, listen to me. The point is light and dark do not blend. So when we understand this, there is no division in Satan's house, but there is division in our house. I I want you to get the potency of this text, that what Jesus seems to be suggesting is that even Satan is smart enough to know that he doesn't go against his own regime. (laughs) that Satan is smart enough to know that he doesn't go around casting out his own people. But why then do we in the church go around cutting people off, saying to other believers, I rebuke you, Um, the devil is in you. We, we, cut people off in a second. And Satan says, no, I won't go against my own because I understand that a divided kingdom, as we just read, cannot stand. A divided house cannot stand. A divided church cannot stand. Watch this now. A divided family cannot stand. And so I gave you the setting. I feel him now. Don't you see Big Ben? This I gave you the setting to help you understand that Jesus was not only talking to the religious leaders, he was talking to the family and friends who suggested he was out of his mind, who suggested that he in some way was divided. And God was saying, I'm not divided because even like the kingdom of darkness, they're not divided against them. 
themselves, then why would I be divided against my own? God, you got to follow this argument. So the devil doesn't even want to tear down his own people. Here's the, here's the job of the devil. The job of the devil is not to tear down his own people. His job is to divide God's people. Ah, oh, you're going to miss it. Who to, Listen, he wants to divide God's people who to him are clearly opposition. God's people are opposition to the devil. And the devil is opposition to God's people. But you never divide the devil's people from the devil's people. Nor do you divide God's people from God's people. And make it personal. You don't ever want to divide yourself from yourself. Oh, you see where I'm going? I'm you up. The argument is against self-division. His argument is clearly saying, I cannot be doing this by the power of Satan because the rule is you don't divide yourself. Self-division, watch this now, implies possession. Uh, Self-division implies possession. Now that we've understood argument number two, let's point to argument number one, which argues that Jesus not only was divided and doing this power by the power of Satan, they were saying he was possessed by the devil. Oh, let's analyze number one. Please allow me to continue with my presentation on trial in the lawyer courtroom. Look at verse 27, 27 through 30 says, in fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. You got to tie up the strong man in the house. Verse 28, I tell you the truth. All the sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. Verse 30 says, look at the highlighted section. He said this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. In other words, they were saying he has an evil spirit that he is possessed. So listen to me. The first accusation is saying that he is possessed with a demon. So they were trying to say that Jesus was out of his mind in accusation number two, that he was divided, that Jesus in some way would both be God, but then divide himself to partner with Satan to cast out Satan. And so Jesus is like, well, the rule is, hello, that Satan don't even cast out himself. So why would I break myself up to cast out somebody uh, on another side? That's division. He says, I'm not divided. I'm for right. I'm on this side. And you need to know that. But they were saying that if, listen, if he was divided, if he was doing the work of the devil, then he had to be possessed. Ah, God, watch this. Possession, listen to me. Let, Let me talk to you over here. Possession implies division. Why? Because possession 
is two contrary spirits living in the same place. I feel him. So Jesus was saying, how dare you? say that I'm divided, that in some way I have allowed the residents of the demonic spirit to be in me while I'm supposed to be representative of the Holy Spirit. Hello? So possess, listen, so the divided person, God, uh, is working with two different people. So when I talk to you about this concept of being divided or doing a bunch of different things as a bunch of different people, it means that you are living with multiple people in you. The Bible says the devil, one of the names for the devil is called legion, which means we are many, but it also means we are organized. We are strategized into an organism that accomplishes our goals. So this concept of being in possession has these two spirits in you. Ah, God. And this is why, watch this now, the Holy Spirit, we'll talk about this later on. Uh, never mind, I'll come back to it. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. The, this, this concept of being divided suggests possession. So Jesus makes clear that he couldn't be possessed by the devil because the devil was in fact, watch this now, considered the strong man. Uh, remember I said, when you possess power to divide, you are going into a house to divide. And that house has a strong man. You cannot be friends, you cannot be family with the strong man and put the strong man out. You have to be opposite the strong man and more powerful than the strong man to be able to divide the strong man. Oh, get this argument. So Jesus is saying, I can't be the same as him because if you're the same as him, you can't put him out. So the text says the, the devil is the strong man and the strong man, the Bible said, can only be robbed if he's first tied up and overcome. So Jesus is making clear, listen, when I go into a house to divide, I'm not going into a house to divide as friends or family of that person. I am going in the house to divide, to rob, to separate, to be able to give somebody the liberty and the freedom to be saved, to come over to the power and the kingdom of light and become somebody. Jesus already established that Satan isn't going to or he can't tie himself up. Hello, God, Jesus already said Satan is not in the house trying to tie himself up. <laughs> Let me tell you that. Nor would Jesus in any way be cooperating with the kingdom of darkness saying, let's cut a deal. You let me tie you up. I give you a little freedom with this. It don't work like that. But we know instead that Jesus was possessed by a much stronger power, which is the Holy Spirit. So watch this now. When Jesus goes into the house, the strong man is there, but he is able to overtake the strong man, not because he's operating in the spirit of Beelzebub or Satan or the devil. He has to have a power greater than the strong man, and that power is the Holy Spirit. So because Jesus was able to bind the strong man and set people free that the devil had enslaved, he couldn't be operating 
being and he couldn't be possessed by the devil. That power that possessed Jesus is the Holy Spirit. Jesus was the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God. And that's why Jesus was saying, so now we see why the text was saying, listen, if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, there is no forgiveness for that. Because in essence, he makes it clear that if you try to speak against the power of which I possess, it is not going to go well for you. So they were trying to say that the power Jesus was casting out demons was because he was possessed with the devil. Jesus said, don't get it twisted. I'm not possessed with the power of the devil. I'm possessed with the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I'm not really possessed. I'm one with the Holy Spirit because I am the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is my spirit. And so he clearly says, he mentions this because in verse 30, would you put the scripture on the screen? He said, again, please, he says, he said, I'm telling you this because they were saying he has an evil spirit. So he's saying this, this argument refutes accusation number one. He's saying very clearly that I can't be possessed. I am arguing this way because I'm telling you that if I was possessed with the power of the devil, I would not be able to go in the house and take over the strong man. So Jesus was saying that the scribes and Pharisees were close to calling the Holy Spirit Satan. So they were trying to say, basically, well, you doing this part, you were saying the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Satan? Jesus was saying, that's a no-no. When you start talking about I'm doing stuff, the stuff I'm doing by the power of the Lord, you start telling me I'm doing it by the devil, that the devil is on me, that the devil is in me, you're speaking not against me, you're speaking against the God in me, and and Jesus said, that's a no-no. He said, when you start blaspheming, when you start saying there is no Holy Spirit, when you start saying that people are doing stuff not by the power of God, but by the power of devil, he says, you're blaspheming. And he says, there is no forgiveness for that because in essence, what you're saying is that God is not God. And you're saying that God does not have the power to overcome. And Jesus don't like to be told that he can't do something <laughs> because God can do all things. So we must be possessed with that which fights our opposers, not ourselves. So arm yourselves with the spirit. If you're going to be possessed, possess yourself with something that can defeat the devil, not that which partners with the devil. And you don't want to be divided in a way that you aren't able to fight your opposition. You want to be able to fight your opposition, not yourselves. A house divided, listen to the text, a house divided cannot stand. So if we are to be possessed with anything, then be possessed with, with that which is for you, not against you. If you're possessed with the devil, the devil is against you. Feel your heart, feel your soul, feel your lives with that which is positively building you up, not that which takes you down to the dark side to secretly destroy you, then pushes you back into mainstream normality of life as if nothing happened. That's called living a charade. And people live that way every day. They partner with the enemy in secrecy and they do dirt thinking that God doesn't know about it. And you have two, three, four, five 
have different personalities. When you're at church, you're Savior Saint Jenny, and you hallelujah, praise the Lord. But when you're around Lisa and Shauna, and uh, not y'all, <laughs> but when you're around all of your, your buddies, your party buddies, your mouth is foul. You pull out the stogie. You throw all kind of drink back. You shotting like you shotting, baby. You are way beyond jello shots. You got double shots, triple shot, because you're a different person. Who are you? You're divided. And these things that you divide yourself to, I came to tell you they are destructive. And in essence, you are quasi-possessed. Oh God, you don't want to hear this. So what are the learning points we get from studying about houses, divisions, and possessions of power? Let's look at what we learn from this. And I want to share this with you. The learning points are this. When we talk about houses, we talk about division, we talk about possessions. They are one, you got to learn to fight kingdoms, not people. Number two, don't turn against yourself. And number three, you got to learn to fight with the Holy Spirit. So let me hammer number, number one. The Bible says that the kingdom that is divided cannot stand. And the first thing we understand about the enemy is that the enemy ain't no hole in the wall, chop shop with no organization or strategy. The enemy has a kingdom that this is a kingdom that you don't fight a kingdom. The first one is learn to fight kingdoms, not people. You ratting off. You ratting off at people. You mad at Sonia. You mad at Sheila. And Sheila is not the problem. There are principalities of powers that have orchestrated and manipulated you into thinking that, getting paranoia, thinking that sister so-and-so down the hall is your arch enemy nemesis. And now you come to work every Every day upset because you think in paranoia somebody's out to get you and you fail to realize that this is a kingdom that they're in a kingdom there's hierarchy that there are rulers that there are uh, people in high positions that are calling the shots and you can't walk out the house today Sharon not understanding that there are strategies strategies of warfare trying to get you to mess up. I'm telling you that the devil ain't out there fighting his own. You think the devil me the devil is is trying to beat up the gangsters. The devil ain't beating up the gangsters. He got the gangsters. <laughs> what he's doing is he's attacking good people. He's attacking people who are trying to live right. He's attacking people who pray. He's attacking people. Come on, hear me, Lou. Hear me, Gris. He's attacking people, Lawanda. He's attacking people, Joyce, who are trying to get their life together. And you cannot be naive and think that you just happen to have a bad day. The Bible says that we are to put on the whole armor of God when? In the evil day. In other words, there's a day, a time of day or period where the enemy targets us and it is a strategy. The second aspect we learn is that you don't turn 
against yourself. The Bible said that no organized camp can stand when it turns in against itself. So you've got to learn not to turn on one another. Don't turn on yourself. So when you look at yourself in the mirror, uh, Cynthia, you don't say you're stupid. You don't speak to yourself divisively. Do you hear what I'm saying? Don't look at you with insecurity. Don't you dare say you're ugly. Listen, stop telling yourself you don't have it. Stop saying I can't get the job. Stop saying I'm poor. I'm broke. You have to not divide yourself. You have to agree with what the word says. The word says you've been fearfully and wonderfully made. The word says you have all things that God will provide for you. You, The word says no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. The word says promotion comes not from the east, west, north, or south, but God lifts up. So when you talk about promotion, you talk about money, you talk all the things that I mentioned, you have to be in agreement with the kingdom of God because there is a kingdom of God and there's a kingdom of the devil. And so you must know what side you're on. You can't play on both teams. <laughs> Number three, I got to move on, Joy. You got to know your opposition. Number three was learn to fight with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, not against the Holy Spirit. In other words, know your opposition and know whose opposition you are. Know who hates you. In other words, know who to hate and know who hates you. Ah, come on. Jesus, in essence, was saying, since I am successful and destroying the demons, I must not be in their camp. Therefore, my power is of a different kingdom. You must know whose kingdom you are a part of. When you are able to understand whose child you are, when you're able to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is with you, when you're sinning, when you're failing, when you're messing up, when you're mad, when you're angry, God is still, you're not being put out of the kingdom because you forgot to pray. You're not being thrown out of the kingdom because you didn't read your Bible today. The Bible says his name is Emmanuel and Emmanuel means God is with us. It means that God is with us at all times, every day and everywhere, meaning that when the enemy comes to try to take over your house, he cannot because the strong man in your house is stronger than the strong man in his house. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? You can only beat another if they are from another house. If they are of the same house, there are no winners. You both lose. God has set it up that the only way we win is when we fight 
opposition. Whenever you fight the same, you lose. Oh God, I hope I'm preaching to somebody and I know you hear me. There are no winners when you fight family. There are no winners when you fight your own institution. So learn to fight with the Holy Spirit and not be possessed by the one who enslaves because don't get it twisted, boom. Just as the enemy is enslaving them, his goal is to enslave you. So you think he's your friend and he's really not. You know, the devil has a way to make sin feel like it's enticing. Oh, it's cool. That sin is cool. And all our young people think that acting up is cool. That's just the enemy saying, I got you trapped. I got you like a slave. Don't be carnal. Don't live out of your carnality and don't live emotionally. The result will be everyone loses. Uh, Let me move on here. Let's look at this. Why does all of this matter? Why does all this matter? The question is, are you divided? The question is, are you possessed? The question is, are you divided? The question is, are you possessed, Tony? Are you possessed, Mama Cain? Are you possessed, Big Ben? Are you possessed, Joy? The question is, are you divided? Based on this this conglomeration of information I've given you today, you now have the tools, you have the ability to assess whether or not you are living in a divided capacity. So in conclusion today, you may be asking, but PC, we have been talking about action. We've been talking about being people of action. We've been talking about how to act. And what does this, what does possession, and what does dividedness have to do with acts? I'm so glad you asked me that. Let me answer you again in my summation. Uh, The defense rests after this uh, quick summary. Now, you can't be a person of action if you keep canceling yourself out. Uh, Listen to what I'm saying. You can't be a person who has impact if you keep undoing the impact you're having. Uh, Everything you start and every bit of progress you make in life, you seem to destroy it with a self-sabotaging act that that has caused people not to believe in you. In other words, your life is not consistent. Why isn't your life consistent? Because your life is divided. In other words, we're not sure who we're going to get this month. This month, you got saved and you know, you all spiritual and holy because you got a new job and you're thanking Jesus and you praise God and you've been to church every week this month. But next month, after the, uh, you know, excitement rolls down, you're going to go back to your old habits. You're going to go back to sleeping late. You're going to go back to acting up, acting up, cussing and fussing. And so the good that you did in the first four weeks is minimized. In other words, it is destroyed because you're not consistent. That's my point. As the Bible said in that last part of the scripture, he said, a kingdom divided cannot stand. In other words, it ends. It comes to an end. Everything you start comes to an end when you're divided. So your actions are not 
potent enough. They aren't impactful enough because they are too reflective of your upsy-downsiness. In other words, you cannot be trusted. So the reality is, now that I have come into a place of understanding I need to be a person of action, I've got to do something about my divided life. You are, watch this, in essence, you are possessed with self. Let me talk to you for a minute. In other words, watch this now. Some of you say, well, I'm not possessed with a devil. I'm not possessed. Okay. It's like you ain't got the devil in you, but you got you in you. Uh-oh. You are possessed with the flesh. In other words, you and your flesh are trying to cast out your old self. You can't be divided against yourself. Listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully, Yolanda. There are a lot of people who say by willpower, I'm going to get better. That's why willpower don't work. Because what you're doing is you're saying self against self, I'm going to make you better. Self can't make better because self is divided against self. In other words, one side of yourself is saying to the other side of yourself, do something different, which is creating division. God says you cannot change you unless you do it by the power of the Holy Ghost. So in other words, there are a lot of people who are doing actions in the world, but you're doing them out of your flesh. And every time you do something out of yourself, it's not going to last because you're doing it out of the wrong power. You have to cast your old self out by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you this revelation. It's not in my notes, but it came to me this week. And I have just decided that I have moved into another phase of myself. In other words, there are three phases to me. In other words, it's about the one to 20 year old, one to 25, 28. In other words, my second stage of who I was is larger than the first stage of who I am which means that the second phase of me was Pastor Cherry. In other words, from 28 on, in other words, I've lived longer now than I have lived in my heyday acting all young and spry and partying, doing everything. So in other words, my old self, my old, old self has been cast off or deleted. Why? Because now that I'm older than my old self, I am longer that person. I am longer in duration that second person and that becomes my old self. So at this age now, I am creating new actions that will undo, oh God, listen to me, that will undo the bad things that I did as Pastor Cherry. <laughs> and I will when, when, listen, I've got 35 so years as Pastor Cherry, so when I live longer than 35 years, that new self will outdo that old self and that old Pastor Cherry will be dropped off. And the wise Cherry, in other words, there's an, a matriculation of a better version of you that keeps growing and growing. So the point is, listen, stop fighting yourself. In other words, evolve yourself by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what I agree with, I have a 
agreed with God that Pastor Cherry, even in the 35 years, has some stuff that has to go. So what I'm working on now is to be a better version who is more naturally following the dominion and power of the Holy Spirit who will outlive the old stuff that I... So no, well, my point is, my one to 25-year-old no longer haunts me. I You bring it up to me, I'm ignoring you. That's too old. It's off the grid. It's been deleted. It's rejected. In other words, I will free, I refuse to let myself be worried about anything that happened in the years 1 to 25. Now, I may have concern about 25 to 50, whatever, but I'm working on a life now that's going to outdo that. <laughs> so my point is, you are the strong man in your own house. <laughs> and you can't outdo your own strong man because you are the strong man. And if you try to throw out your own strong man, then you therefore by definition are divided. So you become possessed with yourself and you aren't able to get victory. And that's why some of you don't have victory over sin because you keep trying to stop. I got so tired of trying to stop sinning. It used to send me in a world spin. I was depressed and sad and feeling guilty all the time. And every time I went to church, I felt unworthy. Later on, I just said, Lord, listen, I do this and you need to help me get victory over it. When I started focusing on what he called me to do, then my sins began to fall off and I got free and delivered. Why? Because the Holy Spirit divided me from my sins. Not me. You can't stop it. You can't change it. You can't adjust it. Only God, God, dog, and I feel like only God has the power to overtake the strong man. Galatians 5.17, trying to put it in the, in the comments. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Even the Bible says that the Holy Ghost is fighting against you, and you are fighting against the Holy Ghost, and you're contrary. And what does the contrary do? It keeps you from doing what God is called you to do. So you can't act in life. You can't do your actions in life because you're too busy fighting you. I want to tell somebody, stop fighting you. You are the strong man. Let God fight the battle. So the goal is to bring your life back into unity with God. It is sin that has divided you from God. When you, when Adam took that fruit and Eve took that fruit and they partook of it, sin entered the world and you became divided. But Jesus came so your life could be healed, so your life could be unified, so you can once again be unified with strength and power. And so you were originally created with him and you were originally made out of his own image. But sin divided you and there's been a fight ever since. I'm telling somebody, put your dukes up. Let the Holy Ghost fight your battle. So the enemy gets us to spend our lives fighting ourselves and the people we love. He's got us all mad at people who are family, people who are friends. We're all mad at church people. We're all mad at people we should be loving. And the devil sitting back saying, look at her, I divided them again. 
We are the only people who fight so hard with one another. Go to Melrose. Go to Beverly Hills. Go to Sunset. You'll see Prada. You'll see Gucci. You'll see Lauren. You'll see the buildings all right up next to each other. And guess what? All of them making money on the same street. Everybody getting rich and getting paid. But go to the hood, will you? (laughs) And you can't find a church next to a church without a fight. You can't find a chicken joint next to a chicken joint without a fight. You can't find a clothing store next to another black clothing store without them fighting about who's going to rule the block. I'm telling you, people are not in church today, not because of what the devil did. People are not in church because of what family did, because of what friends did, because of what people in the church did. We're the only people that kill our own selves. And so my message to you divided you, I'm talking to you divided you, is surrender. Come out with your hands up. I'm talking to divided you. And I'm telling you, come out with your hands up. Surrender to God. Give your life over to him. Stop fighting yourself. I'm binding the strength of you, the strong men, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm calling you for the releasing of the Holy Spirit in your life. I bind you. I put you away. Self sit down. Sit down. Be humble. Shut up. I speak agreement again for you. I speak agreement to align your life with God and that your fight will be against those who are against you, the kingdom of darkness. I command you to stop fighting the people you should be loving. Stop fighting the people in the body of Christ. Stop fighting good people who are trying to do right. Even Jesus said, the disciples came to Jesus and said, oh, gee, they over there preaching something different. He said, listen, if they're not against me, then leave them alone. You only fight what's against you. You only fight what is not agreeing with God. You only fight what, listen, there are people who love God and they make mistakes. That don't mean fight them. That God, I feel them. Thank you, Lord. That doesn't mean throw them out and cast them into hell. It means they messed up. And guess what? Just like you. Hello. God keeps letting you in. So stop fighting people who are trying to get it together. I'm a work in process, progress, Tony. I'm a work in progress. Mama Kane, please don't throw me out. If I threw my child out every time they did something wrong, God bless Kenesha Cherry and Whitney. Oh, Lord, they'd be on the street homeless. I'm telling you, but I stay in the family because they are my family. Family is family and we don't fight family. So the fighting your spouse, the fighting of your kids, calling them dumb, calling them stupid, yelling at them has got to stop. We've got to stop this in-racial fighting, even cultural wars, where we look at different shades of black people differently. Ain't nobody did. We all black. You black, you light, you black, you white. It don't matter. I'm telling you, we've got to stop looking at the race from that perspective and see the human race and say we're all one people and let God fight our battles. We don't fight with other believers in the body of Christ. We've got to stop fighting family. The enemy doesn't have to do anything to us because we're doing it to ourselves. God wants us to know who we are and to live our lives unified. Spend the rest of your days blessing yourselves. Talk to yourself in the mirror. You're beautiful. APC, you kind of cute in black. I like you like that. Shave your goatee. 
Cut this a little. Do your trim. Maybe cut it low. Ooh, you're getting, you're losing a little weight, PC. You're looking good. Talk to yourself. Bless yourself. Why? Because I will not be divided. Tell yourself, I will not be divided. I will not let the enemy. Stop reading the comments and the social media. Stop reading everything and believing everything that somebody says about you. You won't be divided. I'm becoming my best self because the Holy Ghost is working on me. Not you, not my mama, not my friends, not my church, not my pastor. I can't do it for you, boo. Only the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you what the Holy Ghost wants to do. I don't even have the power to change you. I can give you the message. I'll lead you to the water. But when you come to the altar, it's God who needs to do the changing. So my point is, tell yourself that you're valuable. Put yourself in a position to get back on the same team with you. Tell your team, tell your team self, I want to be on the same team and I want you to divide your cursing self. Divide from those who are against your team. Anybody that's against your team, they're against God. And that, my friends, is the only way you're going to be able to win because a house divided cannot stand. I am PC, and that's all I've got.